and welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast and YouTube Review. I, of course, am Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, and I am joined by the man whose quality never wavers, Quarter Pounder with Cheese Chakas. How are we doing today, buddy? That's a Royale cheese, mofo. Oh, you know, they don't have, they have got the metric system. They don't, know what, they don't know what a Quarter Pounder is. That's a, we need to reference Quentin Tarantino a bit more often than the never that we do. I'm just going to say that. True. I'm a Tarantino um, fan. I have been, speaking of Quentin Tarantino, I have been hiding this beer in my anus for the past two <laughs> years. I have a Brooklyn lager, uh, Brooklyn Bodega Run well-stocked IPA. Never had this one before. Uh, I will say I did... Uh, break the time limit the child established for me and the beer section yesterday but oh that's a good pop good pop let's see the pour i don't have my glass handy god damn it i got a glass just for this now and i don't have my glass handy oh well next one that's beautiful though wow i like the uh it's almost a lemony color it is uh looks like a bit of an unfiltered IPA. It definitely has a the, the head has a bit of a citrus taste to it. <clears throat> oh, we got a mustache. I know. Uh let's nice. see. This yeah, one is Brooklyn shout out to Brooklyn Brewery and Brooklyn Lager. Not only was I a big drinker of those beers when I lived in Brooklyn, uh big fan of them. They hold events and concerts sometimes, and they had a special event with Solstafir and Kylan Mikla. The first time I ever had any Brooklyn lager was when I was in Rochester, New York, to take in a Rochester Americans versus uh, Toronto Marlies American Hockey League team in one of the oldest rinks I had ever been to at that point that was not the St. Louis Arena, because this thing was well-maintained and probably didn't have nearly as many rats. Um, This one has a delightful 6.7% ABV, which... Puts it somewhere between session and happy times. So we'll call that an extra IPA. Nice. I mean, we should do a whole beer episode where you break all this stuff down at a level that I don't quite fully understand either. Uh, does not appear to have much lacing. Oh, there's some lacing. So we got a good lace to it already. <clears throat> it is, uh, it's a bit of a different, it's not very bitter. This would be a good training IPA for somebody who wants to get on the proper beer train. The proper, come on, ride the train, choo-choo. Come ride on it. and ride it. Meep, meep. So uh, also before Keithy gets to his beer check, just so you know, might be a little low energy this week and I apologize. My child had a roller skating party and we brought her skates and I didn't even bring my skates because I wasn't going to skate. I'm like, I'm just going to, I've been sick. I'm, I'm still a little stuffed up. You might be able to hear it. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to skate. I'm just going to hang out with some of the other dads. I'm friends with most of the dads. And every one of those sons of bitches got on the skates. So I'm like, all right, all right, fine. Give me a pair of skates. So they hand me a pair of quads. And I'm like, uh, what the hell is this? Haven't been on quad skates since 1989, listening to Skid Row and the Fresh Prince, who were both popular at the same time. Indeed, I, I remember uh, you. Yeah, and just for the record, I've played hockey uh, semi-competitively and pick up games with ex-pros and college players. Nothing serious because I lived in St. Louis when it wasn't a big, I grew up when it wasn't a big thing. But I mean, I've, I can skate. I can roller skate. I can inline. I can ice skate. 
I did about four near face plants, not falling on my ass, but face plants in these things in one trip. And I'm like, no. So I walk up and I say, hey, you have inlines? They're like, oh yeah. Okay, give me a pair of inlines. She's like, well, you got to pay an extra $3 for that. Okay. You just think that, you were some dad who couldn't skate? I don't know. I got them and people are looking at me as I'm doing my signature move, which is to put my, my, my skates at a 15 degree angle on either side and do a little circle. On my skates, I can turn around and go backwards that way, but I didn't trust these skates because they're rentals. But so I apologize. I expected to be in a better shape. I know well, you're better TV than you what, with our last pod that has yet to run. We were both r- rough. We were both doing rough. So very rough. rough. That Cheers was a rough one. That was Cheers definitely a rough one. And we still did all right. Uh, I am going straight to freaking hell. Hell, German style Helles Lager beer. This is the first time I've Ooh. ever had this beer. Saw this at the Rainbow Grocery. Urban Roots is the brewer. This is a 4.8 ABV. One pint. Good, good exactly. lager ABV. Yeah, yeah. Now, I just had a whole swarm of fish tacos that I made. Ooh, fish tacos. And uh, with a homemade slaw and salsa that I also made. Um, not too bad. The, I'll uh, have my the, glass to pour it out next week for the, sure. The best fish tacos I ever had were, unsurprisingly, in Mexico. Mm. They were marlin, sea bass, and something else. <clears throat> Um, wow, that sounds exotic. I dream, I dream of those tacos. The that owner sounds... of the restaurant, and it, this wasn't a touristy place. None of the waitresses spoke English, so I had to do all of the ordering for myself and my wife, which I'm happy to do because I speak Spanish and I like to show off. But yes, you do. Uh, it's true. And the, there were photos of the owner of the restaurant game fishing all over it, catching these like 400 pound fish. So I was thinking maybe this dude is out there catching the fish. I don't know. But uh, yeah. uh, let's move on to the vinyl check this week. I got a couple to, sure to break in on. First one is, and this is kind of actually a little poignant, and we'll get to this in a little bit. Street Survivors by Leonard Skinner. Mm. Uh, OG copy. Is, oh, no, that's the, no. Second, the second printing. Second press, yeah. Without the fire. Without the fire. They, this is the last Leonard Skinner album I'm ever going to buy. I now have, because to me, without Ronnie, it's not Leonard Skinner. Yeah, basically. And uh, quite frankly, Johnny turned Leonard Skinner into something they never were before. Mm-hmm. And this one came out three days before the plane crash. They were touring on it. It's old. Here, let me get it better. An old, old copy of it, but in great shape. I haven't cleaned it or spun it yet. How much was even, it? Oh, uh, five bucks. Nice. Yeah. If, if um, you want to cry a lot, and I mean a lot, go watch that Skinner documentary about the plane crash and cry, cry, cry. Uh, it's even got the insert. That's dope. For ordering Leonard Is that Skinner Cassie Gaines modeling the shirt also? Jesus. Is it? I think that's Cassie Gaines. I'm not sure. Uh, not sure. Not sure. The other one I picked up this week, which is not poignant in any way, is Best of Pink Floyd Redux. Yes. And this one, it was listed as just the black copy. Surprise, motherfuckers. Surprise, it is the most limited 
Um, there's like five editions of this one, and this mm. is the most limited edition version of them all. This is from Magnetic Eye Records, another just like uh, the Wall Redux, where it's a bunch of new metal bands doing some great Pink Floyd covers. It did come with a download code, so I have the download as well, which has another eight songs. But it's got Howling Giant doing Matilda Mother, Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastard doing Lucifer Sam, Los Dissidentes del Sucio Motel, uh, Welcome to the Machine, Creepers, Us and Them, Red Mesa, Breathe, Ruby the Hatchet, Pigs, three different ones, the whole fucking thing. Domcraft, One of These Days, Forming the Void, Faceless, and Year of the Cobra Have a Cigar, which in Year of the Cobra did a great version of I believe it was when the Tigers broke free on the wall redux. And I am not familiar with them except for those two tracks, but I'm definitely going to be checking them out. Year of the Cobra is an incredible two-piece sludge duo from Seattle. Hella underrated. And uh, I'd be coming to see them coming up soon in my town, except I'm going to be in Napa for a metal fest or not a metal fest a uh, sort of pop and rock fest that metallic is at so i'm that's oh man there it goes it uh, we've already got the, we've already got the pink floyd let's talk about metallica now that's what we do that's why we do it that's what we're here for end of story i have no metallic information to drop this week so um yeah i don't think i have any either um you know uh my uh, is that all your vinyl checks sir? That's right. I just got two this week. All right. I have one vinyl check this week and this is the split single EP or release from Portrayal of Guilt and Chatpile, two very killer sort of metally hardcore noise bands. Hmm. This was ordered I can't remember when either right at the beginning of the year or late last year. So this is finally out. It did come in a plastic, but this artwork is so beautiful. I didn't want the plastic to change your view of how great this is. And then let's pull out this beautiful, this beautiful single, because this is an amazing splatter. And you know, I love the swirlies. And the oh, I love a splatter. I love a good splatter. So look at that. Nice. I'm trying to get it in the nice. light a little bit there with the cream. It's sort of a cream on blood. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I, and I think it's an original and a brutal truth cover. So all kinds of bells and, and check marks getting ticked off for the big guy here that I like. Covers Very cool. and beautiful, elegant design and lovely vinyl. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. This is, again, I was waiting for it. I forgot about it. That's how long ago I bought it. <laughs> I forgot about it. Yeah, I've got a couple of those. I'm still waiting for and no complaints because it is what it is. I am still waiting for my uh, Old Man Wizard album to be pressed and sent out. Who knows when? Yeah, I mean, I hope it's been pressed and we just can't get it. But no, uh, it's not even pressed. Not yet. even pressed. So then, forget it. We'll just remember. I, I mean, I'm probably going to be moved out of this apartment and living somewhere else by the time this thing comes out. Um, I, I emailed my Francis, fans, Francis. Yeah, I emailed Francis months ago. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be moving. Do you think this thing's going to be on time? He's like. No. Okay, let me give you this new address. Francis Dread Pirate Roberts, as I yes, like to call he, him. Francis is one of the nicest and most talented people in metal right now. Period. Uh, speaking of talented and wonderful people in metal, uh, we're going to bring this down a little bit. Um, last week, we actually glowingly talked about this man. And uh, as you know, this is coming out late, so everybody... Hopefully no one's forgotten, but this week as we record this, uh, we lost Trevor Stranod, who is 
one of the was one of the absolute coolest people in the whole world. He was a man who was in one of the biggest death metal groups of all time, especially a great leader of the modern death metal movement where it changed up from the Tampa Bay or the Gothenburg sound into a new American sound. And there were thousands upon thousands of imitators, no duplicators. He supported the scene in a way that nobody else could. He wrote a column called The Obituarist where he talked about cool new underground bands and he definitely believed in the theory of a rising tide raises all ships and he did his best to put water in the fucking bay every week. He was always going to be fine. His band was huge, not going anywhere, no controversies, no anything, just a great talented band and he was out there doing his best to help everybody else. Uh we lost him this week and it has been it's been a rough week in in it's been a rough little time in metal especially the last couple of years with the pandemic and uh Trevor we will all miss you we will all remember you and you will have a special place in everyone's heart. That is beautifully Cheers. said my friend. I uh, yeah absolutely cheers to that. Um I cannot add anything else to that that would be, you know, anything more significant except to say that I had spent quite a few times with Trevor personally. I interviewed him three times for Ghost Cult, including the debut of the Ghost Cult podcast. Episode number one was with Trevor for his appearance on the Metal Allegiance album. And uh, to which he it was kind of like a thrash song with Trevor on it. It's really what it comes down to. And in his mind, it wasn't made death metal because of him. It was him singing on a thrash song. She corrected me. And, uh, you know, we'd see him around Brooklyn when we both lived there. He had relocated just recently. And um, and I relocated not too long ago. So, you know, we didn't see him again. But, uh, you know, can't tell you countless shows with the band, countless good times. Many people on the staff at Ghost Cult were personally close friends of his and um like i said we've had our time you know several times hanging out you know talking music interviewing but also just socially at shows you would see him at shows and he was out there supporting the most underground local bands as well as all the big big ones um i i have one last thing to say about trevor as more than a musician but as something that i think a lot of underground bands could learn a lot from um, I had a falling out with a record label because uh, I got big timed by a local St. Louis metal band whose name I will not mention. And that actually led me to starting this podcast because I got just, it just ticked me off so bad. And I emailed mm-hmm. the PR. I'm like, I can't run this. The idea was it was a interview with the band just about St. Louis, not about the music, just about St. Louis. For me, my interviews came to the point where it was about the band actually saying something different. That's the space I was trying to give them. Because it's, I can ask you, where'd you get your name? How'd you get the band together? How do you write songs? And you've all gotten those questions a thousand times. I'm never going to be able to kick out three or four interviews a week with bands where I can be an expert on your history. So instead of doing that, I went completely the other way, which was something Trevor talked about. 
because Trevor talked about in a podcast I listened to with him where he said the interview is dependent on the interviewee, not the interviewer. The interviewee has to be the one to make it interesting. I have had a lot of interviews with other people where I looked at it and went, shit, I don't want to run this because you just didn't say anything. And so I gave people the opportunity to talk about tacos, to talk about Chinese food, to tell me about how you're listening to music, just stuff like that. And for me, the best way to handle that was to take that and say, oh, well, I'm doing this on vinyl and a great way to listen to our music is on this kind of a setup with this, you know, because it brings out the whatever, you know, use those questions and bring it back to your music. Well, this band, you know, I said, you know, where were you when the blues finally won the cup? I don't know. Probably fucking band practice. I don't care. Okay. Well, you know what? You're missing the whole point of this. So yeah. Well, second- a lot of bands don't have self-awareness or the fact that, you know, they, you know, they're a little too focused on, you know, it's kind of like dating. If people only come across really lame ass people, their bar is lowered significantly when it comes to anybody else or anything else. So it's the same with bands. Oh, it is. And I'm sorry. I am sorry you had that experience. It happened. It's fine. It moved on. I like doing this better and I'm happier now. But the other thing he did was he talked about how they did so many variants of their vinyls. Mm. And that's how they recouped a lot of their recording costs was because they were completists that i'm not one of them i don't have multiple copies of many records i think no, just the wall yeah not my Except bag the wall yeah but other people are and just i mean he knew how to make himself and look better sound better and he knew how to to do the business so there are two great lessons there that can be learned and if you don't mind now i'm going to change the topic yeah speaking of the blues now What I love about right now, we're in the playoffs. The Blues just ended their first round against Minnesota, and I have been hate-watching and grief-streaming lots of Minnesota podcasts and YouTube channels, watching them go from, oh, yeah, we got this. Oh, yeah, we're going to win the Cup. Oh, the Blues suck, blah, 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 to, wait a minute, what just happened? How can this happen? You know, when the Blues just crushed them. They they win they won in six games in every game they were held to two that was their lowest held to two twice and then all the other times one shutout one one in a two or three one goal games for Minnesota just crushed and a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago per the for the podcast I think I was talking about how I got really scared about this series and they're over but so it's going to be fun for me to listen back to these way out of context and how happy I am and excited I am. Next, they've got the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, good team. Oh, best team in the Western Conference. Mm. You know, but everybody thought we were going to lose to Minnesota. Mm. So we'll see what happens. I, uh, we'll see what happens. How are your Rangers doing? Are they still going? I thought so, but I, I kind of had a couple of days where I just blanked out and I don't know what's Mm. going on. Um, I'm wearing my blues hat today. I see that. I see that. I am wearing a Primus hat and a ACDC tribute shirt. So, also, uh, my hair has not been washed since yesterday. So, oh, I don't have any hair. So, um, anything, uh, anything else we need to go on before we get to Rangers Penguins? Uh, tied at 3 3. Tomorrow is game seven. Oh my god, there you go. 
Game um, seven. Big I guess days. I should try to endeavor to watch that game. It'll be on national television. If you got any kind of a streaming service or cable service, you'll be able I to watch it. I think it's on Amazon Prime, so I will try to watch it. All right, there you go. If um, I remember, I'll try to watch it. I got a busy day tomorrow. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to talk about. Um, we did. We did the Judas Priest thing. I think right. Did we talk about Judas Priest? We did today. No, like in the past recent couple of weeks. We've. I'm sure we have. Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, yeah, we talked about that. And then, um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess that's it. We're heading into uh, festival season, so that's like the next thing on the horizon is music festivals. I know you've sworn them off, but I have not. Good luck. uh, I mean, if you can go do that and have fun and not hate yourself afterwards, kudos. I did. I did go to hear one interesting thing. I uh, the show I went to this past week, I was trying to go to see Behemoth at Orange Enemy, but I couldn't make it work yesterday. That would have been in Berkeley yesterday, but I saw right around the corner from my house, my favorite kind of gig ever now. For the first time in my life, I literally could stumble to a show and back. Uh, At the DNA Lounge around the corner from my house in San Francisco, I saw Brujeria, Goat Whore, and Unidad Trauma. And if you love the grindy death metal stuff, this is an incredible show. I'm not going to give a full review here, but I will say Unidad Trauma fully impressed me. If you don't know this band, get acquainted, as I like to say. Grindcore death metal greatness in the future. Goat Whore is Goat Whore. They are flawless. Brujeria, always a fun time. I got a photo here, an actual Polaroid of a photo here of me with Hongo. You can see he's holding a machete to my neck. As you um, do. Because I'm, I'm a white and I deserve a machete to my neck based on all the colonizing horribleness we have done to mexico uh there is a little bit of st louis concert news that i can drop should drop it son drop it like it's hot uh the ready room was a really cool local venue where i have seen veruca salt deicide no I, i'm sorry not deicide cannibal corpse obituary a lot of cool shows i wish that was one show veruca salt and obituary and cannibal corpse it was not it was not i would go i would go um but it was it's a it's a cool venue. It closed down during the pandemic and it is reopening. It is reopening in a new venue. The uh, old Atomic Cowboy, which apparently also closed during the pandemic, is being repurposed into the brand new ready room. Oh, I also saw Mayhem there. And I mean I've signed a lot of cool bands there, so I'm glad to see another larger sized venue opening up that plays the serious metals. So Seriously. glad to have them back. You know, that's be a great place for Baroness, a great place for DSI and stuff like that. Baroness has been playing tiny places uh, and not big venues anymore. They've been in the pandemic era, intimate night with Baroness. You pay, fans vote on the set list and then they play like a 250 cap when they could play a, a thousand cap or a oh. 2000 cap. The last time, the last time I know of that they were here, they played in a venue that was this almost the size of this room. Which that place actually is also closed. Not kidding. You are not yeah. kidding. That's what they're it, doing right now. Uh, that's where I had seen uh, Chapo there. Um, I don't know if anybody knows Chapo. They're a um, really cool indie rock band from NYC. Yeah. They did a great uh, con- concept album of, uh, about a man going into space and getting lost. They are just not a large band by any stretch of the imagination. And let's see. I had also I'd seen someone else. Uh, um, I forget his name. Sam something or other. He is an old punk rock guy. 
Uh, I was actually supposed to review that, but I got, I, I, I didn't, I felt, but that <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess we can move on. We can mosey on into the topic now on to the show. <clears throat> this week, we are back on part three of the King Diamond Merciful Fate 90s. This feels faster than the last bunch of series. I don't know if because we interrupted them with chasers or had breaks, but like this is flying. I guess Lizzie was so many albums. It Didn't we like do, but we time. recorded two episodes in one week. We did. And we're going to do two technically this week because we're probably going to do Wednesday or Thursday, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I'm, so, I'm unavailable the week after. So, yeah. So we'll catch to. up. And uh, <clears throat> this week, we are going to start off with the 1995 masterpiece to 19 year old me, The Spider's Lullaby. Now, we are going to discuss the Spider's Lullaby with 46-year-old me. Very <laughs> different people. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's still pretty, it kind of still holds up, but we'll talk about it. It still holds up. We'll talk about it. We'll talk. About In it. places. 19-year-old me thought King Diamond was an abject genius to never be questioned. On the lines of Bruce Dickinson, you never question King Diamond. Everything he does, you know, we're going to have a throwback to the first episode in this series from the bell witch mm. in the bell witch i made a comment there was a song a line that night john he died i i can't do it you know and i said there was another king diamond there was a king diamond song as keefy combs's beard you missed the window there buddy you know well you gotta look tight when you get talking about the king you combed the beard before the show i i did comb the beard before the show but then what are you what i must what are you fucking beard. guitar wolf <laughs> First time I saw them, only time I saw them, they came out like 20 minutes late and combed their hair for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool. I want to roll out to a show or a podcast like Tejon Street Corner Preachers. Oh, sorry, Tejon Street Corner Thieves, who literally rolled out of their van from partying the night before, just fucking sobered up enough to do the gig. <laughs> the washboard guy left his washboard in Santa Cruz. This is Berkeley. 300 miles away 250 miles away and he literally took his skateboard and turned it into an impromptu washboard to play on and they still slayed and had a great time but they were rough and didn't give a fuck i want to someday be rough and not give a fuck and be let i'm too chubby and ungangly to be like this vein so someone help me out there okay comments now that we've both taken a divergence we will get back to the non-divergence. I don't know what the mm. word for a non-divergence is. <clears throat> so this is the album where King Diamond used the exact same delivery and exact same vocal line when he said, that night, Harry died. Like the exact same way. And I'm like, oh, you really shouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't do that. But uh, back in the 90s, I also figured out an entire concept for this whole album, but it's not a whole concept album. Therein lies the problem. Um, Therein lies perhaps the problem of the album we haven't even gotten to talking about yet. If you try hard enough, though, everything is a concept album. Every single thing is everything. I think Lauren Hill said everything is everything. I'm not sure. I came up with a concept storyline for Black Sabbath Born Again. Don't know that Tony Iommi would check it off and agree, but I did. I found it. So let's just go ahead and get to the music on this one. All right, then. 
Lead the so, way, my liege. Uh, this one starts out, this is from 1995. It came out June 6th. I sh- let me also mention, this is the first King Diamond album that I got in context. It is the first one I got new. Uh, this one starts off, this is, you know, classic King Diamond stuff. It's creepy, occulty. It's not Satan-y. There's no Satan on this entire record. It's about how awful humanity is and haunting and going into the electric chair everything you can think of basically monsters schools gothy things basically if you watch usa up all night in the early 90s you know where these things came from i swear we are the only two people who remember that shit can't be i hope not anyway well i mean what was her face with the sweet mams Oh, I don't remember. I remember Gilbert. I liked it better with Gilbert. Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey was great. Rest in another rest in peace, Gilbert yeah, Godfrey. But yeah, uh, um, yes. yeah. The the it was like hosted by Gilbert and this uh, buxom blonde chick, which is about she replaced him later because he was yeah. so annoying. But that was Gilbert's thing; is he was irritating. And they had well, that was his main thing. And then they had Elvira as a guest host occasionally. Did they? I, I do not recall that. They did. Love but that. I think most of the people who would be listening to this for the beer, the metal, and the swearing probably were watching Headbangers Ball. Probably. And not up all night. Are you but, are you old enough to remember Fridays on ABC? No, no. Okay. That I mean that ended in 1983. You know that though. Yes. Uh Andy Kaufman. I'm a huge Andy Kaufman fan. Yeah. And also Kiss played three tracks from Music from the Elder, Elder. on Fridays. It's yeah, the Michael only, Richards uh, is from that show. We can leave him out. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's... Uh, it was, and that was the only time up until like 2012 that any songs off the Elder had ever been played live. Right. And a couple, one or two of them were songs that Ace didn't even <laughs> play on. So he's just whatever the completely misses screws it up but it's great mm. so yes i do know fridays All right, uh, sorry again, sorry everybody no worries back to the record at hand so this starts off with and i'm just going to read you the summaries on these and if you want to jump in and talk yeah, about yeah i'll, I'll say this from the other side it's a good opener it's not as great as some of the other great openers uh that, that the king has had and um, I really like from the other side. Yeah, it's I think this it's is a really good. It's one. very good. It's not quite great for me, but it's a gr- it's a very good song and album opener. I, I wish it had been setting the table for something else. That's not this half. A no, thing. it totally is. This is Harry. No, this is Doctor Eastman. Okay, I'm going to give you the story that I came up with. Oh, hope you're watching on video for that because that is candid shit right there i keefe's brain almost came out his nose for real so i muted uh, it though i muted it i wish you hadn't so <laughs> this is dr eastman after execution possessing people because he's a dick okay i it's i'm gonna say totally that according to wikipedia oh this is your interpretation of what you think it should be Yes, this is okay. me finding because the whole story. A- according to the wiki, and I didn't even know this at the time, and I probably I didn't had, either. I probably had this record at the time. 90, let's say, the from the time I got my first Sony Discman that was all fucking metal, by the way. The bl- black brushed metal. I have not, Let's say 1990, my first three CDs ever bought were the Black Album chicago 80s greatest hits and phil collins uh whichever was the current record at that time with rain down on it 
uh not to studio but the one no, not no jacket required the the other one anyway so his face is on all of them it's hard to distinguish so i bought those yeah, records he's basically seal putting out albums phil Con- they all look this damn same from it's 19- his red face from ni- george foreman but his 90 kids named george foreman from right. 1990 to basically 2000 i bought every single metal cd across every genre i could And so I had this in time also, probably from Columbia House or some nonsense shit that I still... I would have either gotten this at Columbia House or Streetside Records. That Streetside Records is now a Qdoba. A lot less. I would get a lot of stuff from Columbia House and then things that I needed to have the day it came out, I would go to the local New York City record shops and there was about 10 of them that I haunted. Uh, Bleaker Bob's, Generation Records, Norman Sound and Vision, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Back in those days for me, it was Streetside Records, which was a local chain. Vintage vinyl, which still exists, record exchange, which still exists, Euclid Records, which still exists. Yeah, we also had Sam Goody, Disco Rama, lots of. Cool oh yeah, Sam Goody. Yeah, I, I worked at Union Station. There was a Sam Goody there, so I went there a lot. No shit. So yeah, uh, officially, I didn't know this at the time. This is according to sources. The Written second in like, half, by 2010. The second of this second half of the album is the concept part of the album. The first <sighs> half of the album is these random scary songs, like an X Files season. Some of it is about the mythology, some of it's about the monsters. This is that situation. Now, Nick has his own interpretation how the entire album is a concept album. Go, Nick. Continue, killer. All right, killer. Killer is obviously Dr. Eastman. It was meant to be about Richard Ramirez, though, the Night Stalker. Yeah, but how would you get that? All you, I can't understand any single thing he says in this entire song other than, I am the killer. That's it. All I can hear is, I am the killer. I know I must have read the lyrics on this when I listened to it because I had that kind of time back then to sit there with the lyrics and not you know do 18 things at once because I got to be on the internet or whatever, maintaining my brand, sharing links and shit because people don't go to it enough. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, like and subscribe. And so, yeah, it's 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 another decent song. It's not as good as the other side. It lyrically speaking, I don't know because I couldn't understand a damn word he said. So for me, it was him admitting that he is the killer. He is guilty. He's it's his come to Jesus moment, and they're gonna whack his ass in the electric chair. Good luck, buddy. Right on. Uh, not much to add. It's again, it's a decent track. Uh, it's going to be hard to ever top in history of rock or metal a better song than Night Prowler about Richard Ramirez. But uh, that was not about Richard Ramirez. No, you sure? That was the song that he he got the I'm name Night Stalker because of it. Uh, all right, because he listened to ACDC. Is there a cat in here? It's not supposed to be. Anyway, he, yeah, he listened to ACDC. His hat fell off. There's a uh, poltergeist I, in there. Oh, 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 foreshadowing with foreskin, but nothing. Okay. I got nothing. Funny. It was funny. Anyway. But... Okay. Thank you. So yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, it, Night Prowler was like his, it, it, that was like his inspiration. Cause he's a dumbass. Was a dumbass. Hey, baby. Rest in pieces, bitch. That's a dumbass. <laughs> he was a dumbass. Anyway, not the point off Richard Ramirez now. So this to me is, you know, it's, it's the come to Jesus moment as he's being killed. It's like, yeah, I did it. I'm John Wayne Gacy, bitch, whatever. 
not as good a song as the previous we are going downhill a little bit mm-hmm. uh also should point out the entire band had changed out just between, about no except for andy i mean it's, it's king and andy's band and yeah, it's, yeah it's always been and still is everybody but king and andy had been swapped out between uh the eye and this one and so far the eye is kicking this one's ass as is not time time is not kicking this one's ass so this is our fourth album by king diamond in the fifth year of the 90s so this man he he's i'm sure he spent a lot of money on typewriter ribbons this this decade so I just wanted to bring up typewriters. All right. Uh, let's also mention that this is the first album, I think, King wrote after moving to America. Could be. I'm not 100% Could be. sure, but American players start popping up in the band from Texas, so who are literally yeah. from Denton, Texas, where he still lives. So I just feel like this is that record where he uh, started bringing people in Elysian. Good, good, good beer brand space dust, double IPA about a tenor. You've, you've had it before mm-hmm. a tenor for six. Is that what you're saying? No, it's a uh, 10 percenter. Okay. I was getting excited that it was 10 bucks for a six pack. Um, it is 10 bucks for a six pack. Oh, all right then. But here that's a lot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, the Poltergeist is next. Now, the Poltergeist is actually probably my favorite song on the record on the first half. Okay, I, I don't know that I have any strong feelings about it. I guess my favorite is probably the first one, really. Yeah, uh, this one he is come back in ghost form. This is Do- it's all Doctor Eastman. You know, everybody wants to say this is about Harry. It this is, is a story right. about Doctor Eastman. So now he's a Poltergeist haunting his <laughs> sister and whatever. Good riffs. Decent song, good lyrics, a sort of good singing. Um, There's some weird moments on this record where I don't like King's voice, and we'll get into it on the second half. It's like the one of the things that kind of distracts me from the record itself. Um, he makes up for yeah, it in this record, but this is probably mm. probably his worst vocal record. Ouch! That I no, it's not so bad. Say, I mean, it's not but... like no. I'm sorry. His worst vocal record was in the shadows. No, I'm, no, not in the shadows. I'm sorry, Return of the Vampire. Yeah, Return of the because he hadn't he hadn't and got there yet. Yeah, he hadn't established himself. Yeah. But all right, which yeah, I've Poltergeist funny, is. Yeah, I got a, a funny story to backtrack on that one. So that's fine. Poltergeist to me is above average. A little better than Killer, and about on par or just under from the other side. Yeah, I would agree with that. Then we move on into Dreams, where to me this is Doctor Eastman. Uh, going into the dreams of his family and his victims. Woo-hoo. I like the Again, I am trying hard. To, I mean, I'm stretching. Super hard. You really are. I, uh, I admit it. Folks, you will not get another analysis like this anywhere else. No, you'll get better ones. No, you won't. No one is trying. <laughs> no one is trying to analyze this record. No one. No, no one is. No one. This actually could have been a great one. This could have been the first King Diamond content on the Department of Metal Antiquities, and I'll get to that after we go through the track. My track is designed. Alrighty. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Put a pin in that. So moving on to six feet under now. Oh, I think we've skipped around a little Let's in the track list thing. Yeah, I drew two. Dreams. Oh, Moonlight. Moonlight. I, no, we did dreams. And, we did dreams. Oh, uh, 
Was this dreams? Oh, this was dreams. Yeah, Moonlight. I apologize. Okay, Moonlight, please. Oh, I wow, I did skip two. Uh, Moonlight's another good one. It's we're, we're we're trending upwards at this point on the record. To me, you know, this is one. Oh, I don't remember this one real well. So it's part of the Eastman story. Let's just go with that. I'm not saying it's Doctor Eastman, but it's Doctor Eastman. Hmm. All right, I'll, I got nothing, but uh, okay. solid, solid track. It's not. It's not terrible. It's not great. Solid. Yeah, agreed. Now we move into probably my favorite track on side one. I apologize. I said earlier it was the first one. It is this one because I don't have notes on these. I don't. I listened to this yesterday. I've also listened to this album a squillion billion times because for about for a very long time it was the only King Diamond album I owned. So I listened to it a lot. This one is uh, the. Wiki says it's about somebody being buried semi-alive or still conscious or whatever. To me, it's Dr. Eastman being put with ethereal punishment to be conscious during his funeral. It's got some great, it's got some really cool lyrical bits about a coffin made of glass, which there were times in the past where that was a thing where, and I mean, if you don't believe me, go ahead and watch Bram Stoker's Dracula featuring some of the greatest actors of our generation, not named Keanu Reeves. It's got um, uh, the lady from Stranger Whoa. Things. Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, thank you. It's got Gary Oldman. And it also has the basically the Jose Okendo of the acting world. Jose Okendo was a Cardinals baseball player in this the 90s. This is a reference no one would ever make but you. Oh, my God. What? Which, which is why I'm explaining it. Jose Duh. Okendo. Jose Okendo could play every single position, including pitcher. Yes. His all-time was, record is Is he the, the guy in the Hall of Fame who once pitched? He played every position in a game once? They talked about doing it, but they didn't do that. Okay. They, but he he did he played one through nine. He did I all. thought he was in a 22-inning extra inning game where he played like at least six or seven and pitched to close the game. That probably – there was a – I think 22 innings is the longest Major League Baseball game of all time. <clears throat> uh, I know he was in a multiple 16, 17, 18 games where he pitched. His official record is 0-2. He is a shortstop by trade, but we also had Ozzy Smith, the greatest shortstop of all time. So they said, Jose, play second and first, third. Center field. Center, right, left. Everything but catcher because he's like no. this big. He did catch. Did he catch also? Oh Not God. much, but he did do it. Yeah. I've seen video. So where was I? Who is the Jose Akendo of the acting world from Bram oh, Stoker's Dracula? Thank I you. Now, I need to know now. Carrie Elways. Yes, agreed a thousand percent. You are right. See, I, it took me a minute to get there. Right. But it was worth the trip. Carrie Elways can do it all. He, the Prince's Bride to Saw. That guy can do anything. Spiders. And he was in um, Swim uh, Fan. The, the Spider movie with Morgan Freeman. Yeah, Along uh, yeah. Came a Spider. Yeah, Along Came a Spider, which ties into the Spiders. Logo. It does, doesn't it? Holy shit. Look at that. We made a circular thing finally. All right, moving on. <clears throat> Finally, <laughs> the record proper really begins. Yeah, the good part. This the is when good the part of the great. record that is actually the concept part of the record, not the interpretation off. of the concept part of the record. Correct, the actual one. It starts off with the Spider's Lullaby, which King Diamond's vocals on this are a little squiffy. He's trying something new. 
he's trying a screechy falsetto, which nobody had the nutsack to say. I don't know if that works, buddy. But he does, and he does something else he's never done. Harpsichord. Not no. never done, but never done extensively to this level. Because he has done it. He just I'm going with never done. I'm I'm I, right. look, facts. We are go malleable. back to literally the episode we recorded last week that will run this week that we talked harpsichord about in that? a lot about harpsichord. We oh, talk okay. a lot about it. Um, but it's fine, it's fine. Um but it it it's being a huge fan of the Adams family, I know what a harpsichord sounds of, like. Of course, I mean typo negative and other things. Um yep. this is this is we're just taking it for what it is. Let's just take this song and this part of the album for what it is for, for a moment and say that this is a really great table setter for the rest yes. of the story yes. of the album. What is meant to be a reclusive man named Harry who has dire arachnophobia and he finds a doctor who he hopes will cure him because he can't live anymore like this. And it goes. I would awry. say he's a bit agoraphobic as well. Harry's got yeah. issues. He's got a lot of personal issues, and um, and he lives in a cottage. That's the best. He part. lives in a cottage full of fucking spiders. <laughs> That's <laughs> the worst. Potentially part. full of spiders. Like, oh my god. I mean, presumably, right? Like he's seen at least one, and it freaked him the fuck out. So, or he lives in no, 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 no. There are spiders. Soon, right. there's another spider on the wall. Mm. Got to kill it. Now, here's where the lyrical quality goes down a notch soon he also well he also could have schizophrenia and just dreaming the spiders imagining them okay also true gonna give a big shout out to my man keefe using the term schizophrenia clinically accurately and and no offense to anybody by the way Uh, you know i mean that sincerely i offense to everyone i mean that sincerely (laughs) talk about this on social media so canceled please cancel us try Please don't. Please, don't. please, <laughs> so, somebody like and subscribe to this thing. Don't cancel us. That's but. what canceling is: like and subscribe, liking and subscribing. <laughs> so, there's another spider on the wall. Got to kill it soon to be another creepy spot. Ah! Okay, really? That that that's okay. That's that's bad. There's that, some that's... pretty pedestrian stuff on here for king that's a little disappointing even though it's a good record overall and i yes. think what the problem maybe maybe before this should be saved for the summary but I'll, I'll give it now because why not i think when you have a half-baked idea you get and a half-baked performance you have a half-baked great album this could have been one of his greatest albums it's could've a been. good album it could have been great all the Agreed. way through. absolutely there's moments on here that make you wonder like why didn't you go back to the well a little longer on this and and really would you you know workshop this thing a little more and i'm gonna say like when you are recording your umpteenth record maybe you know could be the different band but i mean it's still andy and king's band to write the music and the stories yeah um, i mean basically they're telling those guys play this note play that note do this do that yeah. this is their first record that king produced by himself completely could be the problem you know and no brian slagle and no tim kesser who had produced all the previous merciful fate and king diamond records there are so few people in this world that can produce themselves yeah it's tough that's it it is tough because you it's like in spinal tap which there's a spinal tattoo coming it's like you know nigel not nigel excuse me david play songs for his wiger or whatever that lady is 
and she'll say, oh, no, this is shit. Or, That's great. And, and she's very, very, you know, very straightforward with David. So he doesn't take everything to the band. He plays it for her. And what she approves of, he takes to the band. So it reminds me of um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> when, I've not seen uh, that in a long time. Yeah, unfortunately, Russell Brand, who is now crazy, talks to Jonah Hill. And Jonah Hill speaks to him in a British accent. And he's like, that's supposed to be a fake British accent. May. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Both terrible. Anyway. You know, and, you know, Russell Brand 10 years ago was wonderful. I don't know, anyway. Dude moving the fuck help. on. Eastman's Cure. Eastman's Cure. Now, here we go. We have great narrative. We have a song leading into the next song. We have now. Here's where the vocal gets a little bit stupid. So you have King portraying two characters in this song. Okay, love that. Great. You know he's playing Doctor Eastman, and I'm Harry. So you got the angelic Harry and the devilish Doctor Eastman. I mean, it's the only way it could have been any worse is if he were. Hang on. If he were the doctor from Kids in the Hall, played by the cute one whose name is escaping me, Jesus Christ. Scott, no. Bruce, no. Dave. Dave. um, Dave from News Radio, Dave. Yeah. David Foley. Dave Foley. Played by Dave Foley, where he has an entire sketch about how terrible of a doctor he is. And the only thing he's good at is referrals and asking for urine samples and does not know why it's there. And at the end, he goes, well, this ah, I've got to do the hardest part for a doctor. I got to break the bad news. Or is it the hardest part? I don't know. That's the only way this doctor could have been any worse. Because, I mean, he's clearly like a torturous, evil jackass. And Harry is ready to go. I mean. Yeah. There's also a really. So. I don't have a problem with him playing the two characters with different voices, sung differently, et cetera, different Love that. Love that Love idea. It, except when it's bad. A, when it goes bad because he's trying to do both like call and response, whether he recorded them you know, separately or he's literally in the mic. Ah, 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 it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It do, correct. It does not work. There needed to be a third thing there or something. Or if it had just not been stupid. And also going to point out in the advertisement that Harry consumed, it was not explained what sort of advertisement it was. Being as this was recorded in 1995, I'm pretty certain it was not a Facebook suggested post or a Twitter sponsored ad. No, none of these things exist. But it's the line, we can recreate paradise and you don't even have to sacrifice a thing. It seemed like an old timey medical advertisement medical advertisement which Uh, i also saw kids in the hall uh in the on the third episode of the new season they have not lost any of their potency like sauron they're just old and chubby now mm. but still great and they have the guys doing the 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 they have the two guys that go to the go around selling things that don't work that's exactly what dr eastman is he is these two guys but evil uh, yeah, one more thing about Dr. Eastman. Dr. Eastman, it's it's not um uh what's his name? Hold on a second. Is it um 
Brad DeRiff from Deadwood, who is also marvelous in a lot of other things, X-Files, etc. Brad DeRiff's doctor in Deadwood, where half of the cures are tortures. <laughs> That's Dr. Eastman. Basically, he's Francis from Deadpool. Yes. What's my name? Exactly. Hey, Francis. <laughs> and anyway. I want to watch Deadpool tonight. Anyway. They're both on uh, Hulu. I know. I I watch them both back to back frequently. Yeah. Life is not as. She's not as much on the train as I am. She's on the train, but she likes to get off sometimes. I get you. Anywho, I think we've talked enough about this mediocre fucking song. And uh, yes, now we're moving moving on. on. We're now. Okay. So when I pointed out, you know, it's the narrative, all that kind of wonderful thing. The last line of the song is, I believe room 17 is still our whitest room, mm. which is a stupid line. Our well, whitest maybe room. Clean. clean. Yeah, I know. But like, okay, that, it's still stupid. It's not a good line. And this moves on to the Ocho Minuto epic chaos of room 17. Mm. The thing about Room 17 that you need to know that King Diamond tells us routinely, overtly, and frequently is Room 17 was nice and cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's the line. Notice that we're spending a lot of time on story and not the music. Music's not bad on this whole record, right? No, the music is good. Pretty metal, a lot of riffs, a lot of fun things, fun musical things. But the story just kind of drags it all down. It 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 does, and you know this one. Also, going to point out the name of the nurse is Nursey Needle. <laughs> nurse Needle Deer. Nursey, Nursey, Nursey Needle Deer. Uh, so that's bad. Mm. So basically, the Eastman cure is we're going to strap you down to a bed mm. and throw your fears all over you. Yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah, see what happens. And of course, what happened? He brings out as and I quote, the crawly box. Uh, yeah, it just sounds bad. It does. I mean, when you say it out loud. Shades of Batman, the recent Batman movie, the Batman. Um I've not seen that one, but I oh, mean you should. Sorry, spoiler, it's, it's, spoiler like, alert. it's it's like a heavy metal concept record based on the 1960s Batman. <laughs> I mean, it's about that subtle. You know, I imagine the crawly box had a sign that said the, the crawly, crawly box. <laughs> <sighs> so yes. he brings out all the spiders and blah 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 blah, right? So apparently he forgets one, which <clears> turns <throat> out to be lights out for Harry. That night, Harry Rest in died. Peace. Rest in peace, Harry. When they found him, he was gray and white. What the fuck? Okay, whatever. So nobody believed him. And apparently the spider found a spot on Harry's neck that was warm, stayed there and bit him and killed him. So the line was, you forgot to put one away. Now there's a pain in my neck and I'm feeling weird. Oh, I must die. (sighs) Like the pronouncement. It is... I'm just saying the, the the lyrics are a bit. It's like that episode of Futurama where Fry writes an opera. 
and the devil comes up, the robot devil comes up and says, you can't just have your characters say what they're feeling. That makes me angry. It's about that subtle. Yeah, it's true. I mean, not that King Diamond has ever been a master of subtlety or not his irony. Thing. What? Not his. Not really. Subtlety is not really King's thing. No, no it's it's more along lines of B movies. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. I, uh, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Um, last and never least, and, and needed to be said in this sort of cadence to the morgue, just like that to the no, morgue. You, oh yeah, but the thing is, is this one I can remember listening to this song on a mixtape on my Walkman while sitting in the computer lab in in community college, Forest Park Community College, typing up a paper, singing along to it, not paying attention, not realizing I was in public. Mm-hmm. So you know you got your headphones on, you can't hear yourself, so you go louder. And I mean I was going deep, like like third testicle crash test dummies deep. And I remember just looking up and seeing people going, what is wrong with him? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they thought I was a crazy person because, you know, I probably now I would be arrested for terrorism for doing that. <laughs> I mean, take him to the morgue. Yeah. Oh, we did, forgot to mention that Dr. Eastman did say Harry died of fright. So quality doctoral ship. Right. <laughs> well done, sir. Good analysis. Um, you know, again, overall, if it wasn't this kind of, you know, I think you either have a concept record or you don't, you don't do half a one. Uh, he Number did one on, he did half one on fatal portrait. Yeah, but it worked better. Uh, I've album. never actually heard that record. Better album. Um, you don't do a half a thing, you don't have no, no half measures. No, Breaking do bad. no half measures. Full what about rush? Room. Oh, you stop. Sorry. Am I, wait a minute, am I arguing the exception? I'm arguing the exception. You are a contrarian. I'm sorry. I'm you sorry. are a contrarian. Um, could be like, again, King producing half-baked record idea, half a new band. Mm, could be some problems. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you've pretty much nailed that. And it's it's unfortunate. But overall, it's a good record. Overall, it's it's if you can ignore some of the half-baked lyrics, if you can ignore some of the goofiness that that is here, because it's not it's not up to his standard. This is not as good uh, narratively speaking. It's not as good as the Eye. It's not as good as Abigail. Mm. Uh, even though Abigail's not my personal favorite album of his, but overall, very good record, and it just. It, it it could have been, I absolutely agree with you. This could have been his finest moment. Could have been. Which would have led to something different than what I'm about to say. None of these songs have ever been performed live. Shocker. There was no tour. And nothing was ever performed live. So oh. instead of telling you about the tour and the set list. We're going to skip it. I'm going to tell you a different story. Okay. So my kid and I were driving home from the party and I don't even know how it came up, but my old band came up, which by the way, our name was asbestos changed from 
disposable Messiah. We were not metal as much as I wanted us to be metal. We were indie rock weirdness because none of us could play. And she's like, are you any, were you any good? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, we had some good songs. We had a couple. I mean, some were bad. Most of them were bad. I mean, some were good. And she's like, my own dad was in a band. I'm like, yeah, I told you this before. She's like, did you have fans? I had a few. I mean, we had a couple songs on the radio and we played some shows. It's like, you had songs on the radio? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it was college radio. I mean, it wasn't like serious. It wasn't like I was on Casey or anything. It's like, why was your name Asbestos? What is Asbestos? I mean, it's 2022. She had never heard of Asbestos. So she's like, do you have any copies of this anywhere? I'm like, yes, I do. I still have an audio cassette recording of it in the basement of the old house. I will try to dig it out. Can I hear it? I will play it for you. And this is the story of how Nick lost his daughter. <laughs> you know, people uh, back in the 90s said it was good. They could right. have just they could have just been being nice. They could have been just being nice. Probably were. But with that, let's take a two-minute break and get back onto the next part. All right. You have to pause it. Oh, I have to pause it? Okay. Hang on. I don't know what I'm doing because I never run these things. Did you know that the Kick It actually was not part of Fight for Your Right? No. It's not. It's part of the song uh, preceding it. No shit. Interesting. Or uh, that CD was poorly tracked. (laughs) Rick Rubin, Where Did You Go Wrong? A podcast series by Nick and Devi. Rock Hard, I think. All right. For more information about Rock Hard, check out the Department of Mental Antiquities when we did the Beastie Boys. Uh, Some Old Bullshit and Rock Hard, which... In case you're wondering, Rock Hard is the <laughs> song that the Beastie Boys did off Back in Black and is terrible. Just really quick. So somebody today, you know, Aftershock lost their one of their headliners because Foo Fighters dropped out because rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. Mm-hmm. So somebody was like, Beastie Boys. And the, another guy is like fighting in the comments about, well, like, first of all, they're retired. Somebody else was like, yeah, but like the two guys have done stuff together, but like it's never been released. And now would be a good time for them to come back, just the two of them. And then somebody else was like, yeah, but John Berry is also dead. It's like, dude, John Berry? <laughs> Wikipedia facts, becoming somebody's dying hill to die on as to why the Beastie Boys can't reunite because John Berry also passed away. You know, Who's John Berry? Wait, he was the, the, the founder, The founder of Beastie Boys, the actual founder of Beastie Boys is John Berry. Wait, so they would have, theoretically, if he's not dead, they would have Mike. He would Dion not be. Drums. He's not on anything. He's not yes, on he any. Is. But not like in a in a way that people would. He's remember. on Pollywog Stew, and he's, he's on. He's yeah, but those things. That's not what people want. Beastie Boys to headline a huge rock festival in America are not going to play Pollywog Stew songs. So what you're saying is you don't want to hear Egg Raid on Mojo? No, I don't. Not that in that context, absolutely not. Okay. Normally, yes. Hear- I always want to hear A-grade on Mojo, but that's just... I, look, I know I'm in a small minority. You really are. Back to King Diamond. So what I love about these podcasts is we don't know what we're going to say. And because we don't always know and we don't script these, 
I'm going to actually throw one more bit on the summary fire, one more log on the summary. I think the reason why we have a half-baked concept on this is because King Diamond just came off of two Merciful Fate records. And there is not a single Merciful Fate concept album. And the previous two Merciful Fate albums were very occulty, not very Satan-y. So side one of this album could have easily been on the next Merciful Fate record. That's fair. However, I'm glad they weren't because we have other songs on the next Merciful Fate record. Right. Better things to talk about then. So next we come on to Merciful Fate's 1996 magnum opus. Do we have a tier for this uh, Spider's Lullaby or we'll wait to the end? Oh, uh, wait, wait, we want to rank them like we're doing we like have 10 been. records. We have been. Okay, what? Okay, so this was probably uh, it, it's my nostalgic favorite. So, if you love it, I'd say it's a B tier, but really it's a C tier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those first five songs are everywhere, and then yeah. the, the concept. The concept part of the album is a great concept with poor execution. Mm. It's like, you know, you've, you've drawn up this great play, but the dude fumbles after he gets the ball. This mm. That album is Ernie Conwell for the St. Louis Rams. These are deep cut references. No one. Ernie Conwell for the St. Louis Rams. He was in a tight end who every time he was, he would get tossed the ball five to seven yards downfield, run 60 and fumble. Oh, my God. It happened all the time. If my best friend was listening to this, he'd be going, hell yeah, you're right. But he's not listening. So moving on to Greener Pastures. Uh, Into the Unknown, which came out in 1996. Now, I thought personally until a week ago that uh, this was the follow-up to In the Shadows. Because apparently time existed, unfortunately. Mm. moved on to a sparkly seltzer because i'm in need of we're going long and i have not had any beer before this podcast today because we started at like eight o'clock so i got another modus hopperandi which i had last week good pop oh no i like that mickey mouse oh no mr bill oh no all right don't get any beer on the iron man shirt on the Iron Man shirt. So, Into the Unknown. We get a little bit classic-y now where King Diamond is confusing King Diamond and Merciful Fate with the opening track Lucifer, which sounds very much like the opening track to Abigail. Arguably the first ever like Merciful Fate doesn't, you know, I don't know. Don't cross the streams, cross the streams. Maybe at this point it's all bleeding together for him because he's done so many of these and literally like five or six releases in five years. This is number six. Yeah, this is they're probably all starting to bleed together for him. Um this little opening ditty. This pre-track. Yeah, and you know, I am of the mind that these little 90-second intro tracks, <clears throat> these overtures, as you if you will. Mm. are so stupid i hate them because you know this is the the purview of the death metal set where they play like this 
kind of stuff and it's like why are you doing this do you just did you just need to get to 40 minutes is that I why blame Dumu Borgir for this whole thing but Carcass did it and Mormon mm. Angel did it and DSI did it and right yeah, I mean, by septic flesh and so on and so yeah forth. I mean make it part of the first funeral if look if you need to do this or you will die just make it part of the first track yeah so this is called Lucifer, and I don't even remember it. It's like creepy voices chanting. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, no, 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 no. This is the the. I, I do remember this. This is uh, King Diamond rewriting the Lord's Prayer to be Satan's prayer. Mm. Our Father who art in hell, hallowed be thy it's name. Only, it's only been done by everybody before. Every <sighs> fucking body, Dio. <laughs> Uh, Motley Crue, Judas Priest, everyone has done this. So this is almost as hokey as the as the Motley Crue version. Motley Crue is yeah hokey, good one. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not necessary. It's dumb. Uh, then we move on to the uninvited guest. Neat song, mm. a little bit of squiffiness with the antagonist name being damien don't know i mean you couldn't have come up with something a little bit better than damien but it's a neat story great vocal by king diamond about you know some dude checking out his old house but this dude is evil and will kill you you know we got oh hang on we didn't talk about something uh we have lost another member oh we we uh, we've lost uh, Snowy Sh- Snowy Shaw. Snowy Shaw is gone. The Armad T Holm is the drummer on this album. I don't quite remember him being mar- remarkable or memorable. Um, I wouldn't say the drums on this album are outstanding. They're yeoman. Uh, he does have Charlie D'Angelo becomes a full time member now of the band yep. later to go on to Arch Enemy and other bands. So in th- three albums in. They've lost two members. Right. Timmy Hansen is out, uh, and Snowy Shaw is out. Not that, but Snowy Shaw did a great in the shadows. So yeah, and he was fine on time. Nothing. I mean, time was a bad. I mean, time's a bad record. There's just nothing. Not a good record. I can't yeah. sugarcoat that. But we're part. You know, as the the merciful fate dissolution was. You know, it becomes King Diamond, and he brings over three of them, and he parts them out. Now we have Merciful Fate once again quickly parting out members. Oh, so, well. Now, track three, The Ghost of Change. Good song. Good song. Uh, I don't remember any of the lyrics apart from The Ghost of Change. Yeah! I don't know what any of that's about. Good riffs. I like the riffs on that song. Uh, King has the sole writing credit somehow, but very good riffing. I would I not have get. I wouldn't have guessed that King wrote those riffs. I would have guessed it would be Denner and Sherman. I, I question any King Diamond tune or any <laughs> Merciful Fate tune that King has all the right. Completely, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean Sherman and Denner. Those those dudes are riffy. They're they're, they're they got the. <clears throat> so I, I have a lot of questions there. They're riffy, but, you know, not not squiffy. Correct, and if you put you that on a shirt. That would be really great. Riffy, not squiffy. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Good, good track. You know. Then we move on to "Listen to the Bell." Mm. 
I have a small issue with this particular track as it feels like a half-baked, maybe slightly poached uh, sequel to The Bell Witch. Mm-hmm. Where the Bell, whereas The Bell Witch was a wonderful opus. Mm. Listen to The Bell. I don't know. It's, it's like the town where The Bell Witch was and now there's this, what's the line? An old black church? What the hell is that? Hmm. Yeah, it's a little confusing. Not that great a song. Hank Sherman solo composition musically. Um, not very memorable to me. I do think that King does this throughout all his albums, uh, across all his groups. He will, he likes the callback. He wants to evoke, you have a good song? Let's do it again. You got a good idea? Let's do it again. You got a yeah, good. The first did I have a really was, great lyric once? Let's do it again. The first one was amazing. That's true. This, this one is. Eh, listen to the bell because it just might tell you why. Mm. Uh, well, okay, mm. you know he he great vocal performance, but it, it another one that could have just you just let this simmer, let it reduce. Well, although this is a reduction from the Bell Witch, where... there's a bunch of cooking references. Bon appetit. Are my references a bit on the odd side this week? <laughs> really are today. Because <laughs> you've been you've been really on my arse. Sorry, bud. Sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna curry this shit up. <laughs> oh, good song, but you know it, it's a bit weird. Mm. Uh, let me move on to 15 men and a bottle of rum what i don't need from king diamond and merciful fate you don't need songs about pirates fuck this song this song is really not good it's cringeworthy bad it's that bad i think it's that bad musically it's not bad it could have been but musically it could have been anything else there's nothing about the musical part of this that's nautical it's just the lyrics that are cheesy and bad yeah there is no Maybe you know when 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 Iron Maiden does the rhyme of the ancient mariner, and I wish they hadn't, but when they do, <laughs> you know you hear the waves, you hear the ropes. The music wasn't nautical, but they went, "We can't do pirate music, but we can add sound effects." Merciful Fate goes, "We don't have money for that. Maybe Yarr, hold my parrot." Yeah, pretty much. You know, it's it's like let me You're not a pirate, Steve. Yar. Yar. Gar. Come on, Hank. Come on, Hank. Really? Uh, this is Denner. This is Denner. Oh. Denner wrote this whole thing. Again, the riffs are good. It's not a bad song. It's five minutes long. Uh, you know, it's got some moments musically that I don't uh, I like, but like I just don't want Pirate King Diamond ever. No, I, I don't. I I want Please Pirate never. King Gorm. I want Pirate Old Man Wizard. I don't want Pirate King Diamond. Yeah, not good. Moving next on. We, next, we come on to the title track. Mm. One of the things I like about... <coughs> excuse me, I am still corking up. <laughs> Lovely stuff. But, hey, I've been sick. I've been sick. We come to the title track. The title track starts off with some lovely acoustic guitars. Which those kind that influence was brought in on in the shadows the reunion record 
So we still have this new sort of merciful fate. Pirate merciful fate as well. Not necessary, but I really like this song. It is a, this is the, the title track, of course, longest song on the album. And frankly, as a rule, your title track should be the longest tune on the record. Cause that, mm-hmm. that should be the album. That should be the song that really sets the tone. Unfortunately, this one did not set the tone because pirates. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, happened. pirates. Yeah. Um, it's not a it's not a bad this is a Sherman composition. This is not a bad song at all, actually. I, I just think song. yeah, this is the one of the better songs on here. Um you know this is very reminiscent of uh, uh the the what was the in into the coven. Okay. It's a very much a callback that. of into the coven. There's no, you know, howl, howling like a wolf and a witch, whatever. <clears throat> but you still have to go to the center of the ring. Mm. So this is basically a complete redux of one of the greatest Merciful Fate songs. Right. However, they improved on it and changed it. Again, you know, the acoustic guitars. The acoustic guitars are a wonderful part of this song. And that is another flavor. And that's not even something that was brought over from the King Diamond solo records. So I don't know who brought that in. The only issue I have with this tune is it gets a little bit weird in the lyrics. You know, it get, gets a little, it, it's gotten cold in here. Hold on to your soul, my dear. Mm. Eh, you're really forcing a rhyme there. And you know that's and that's when King Diamond lyrics get odd when he's trying to force a rhyme, and yeah. this was forceful. But it's a really cool narrative about a death cult. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot like the lottery, but not the Dan Cortez version of the lottery. Did you ever see that? Don't no. see that. No, you know the lottery is right. The short story. Yeah. Okay. There was a Dan Cortez made-for-TV movie. About Dan it. Cortez Dan, from MTV? MTV Sports, Dan Cortez. Uh, it's one of his, like, seven acting credits. Why do you know this? Because um, I watched it! Horrible. I regret um, my choices that day. Yeah. Um, weirdly, Into the Unknown of 10 tracks is one of the top three or four songs on the whole record. Why is that weird? It just is weird to me. Uh, I guess it's not it shouldn't weird to be. me. I love this song. Yeah, it's a good song. All right. Next is to Under the Spell. I'm going to need you to really pull the ship on this one because I have no recollection. Under the Spell is pretty good. Um, Good track. We're we're in the home stretch of the album now, past the midway point. Side two. We didn't say flip the record yet on this pod today. Man, this was a CD only original. Oh, was it? Okay, so 96. 96. So yeah, probably not a vinyl. So don't flip the CD. (laughs) You won't hear anything. (laughs) Uh, Whoops. (laughs) I'll let you hi. Hi. Um, under the Sorry, spell, guys. I guess it's 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 a pretty good track. It's not too long. It's it's got some heaviness that I like. Um, you can imagine already the lyrics under the spell. You know, already know what he's talking about. Yeah, this and, is um, it, it's very much a King Diamond kind of. It, it there are different. This brands. is the Merciful Fate album where he's doing a lot of King Diamond stuff. Maybe right. because of just too many records back to back to back. He doesn't know where he is. Mm. 
and and all the members are changing in each band, so he's confused. I mean, it's fine. He he's well, had a decade. The members in this band, in this ver, in this, you know, to get Charlie in on bass is excellent. Um, I don't know. Again, I, the drummer is not doesn't really stand out to me, but um, right, I agreed. Under the spell is not a bad song. These actually, this side two is better than side one somehow, or whatever. The last half of the record is better than the first half. I do think so. I really it, do. You know, in, in fairness, this album would work well for a, a vinyl because it's uh, forty-four minutes. Indeed. So it, it hits the mark. Indeed. Uh, what about Dead Time? Another Denner solo <sighs> composition. the faces the podcast listeners are not getting to appreciate these faces nick is making please watch us on youtube on the glacially musical you're channel. gonna get way more um dead time really one word no spaces dead time yeah is that a not bed time dead, dead time dead time exactly like bedtime i'm sure that's it, what he it's, meant it's an evil pun so now i'm gonna do my puns I'm gonna do, that are evil i'm gonna do the metal face everybody says, it's dead time Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he's doing it too. Ate a, sa- a whole bag of sour, sour punch kids. Yeah. Which Nico Mixus does that better than anyone? Just gonna throw the, the Nico Mixus of uh, Twin, most famously of Twin Giant, and he's got a new band coming out soon. And, uh, they had a demo out, but just you know, keep an eye on that. If you love Sludge, check out some What's Twin the Giant. Name of that band. I don't remember the new one. You don't know? Okay. Remember, I will look it up because I was a twin giant fan. But uh, twin giant devil down, or uh, is it devil down? Yeah, devil down by twin giant. The god, that is a that is a fucking record. But and yeah, so yeah, dead time really. I mean, it's 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 mercifully short, (laughs) it's also overly hokey, unmercifully hokey, yeah, yeah. That's fair. And it's it's the problem is is King Diamond I think only has so many albums in him in a decade. He's already reached his quota. He reached his quota like two albums ago. It's possible, especially we're after on number this episode. We're on number six. We're halfway through the decade. Yeah, and it's not like you know back in the sixties and seventies where you got one track each side that you had to write, and these mm-hmm. albums are only thirty minutes long. Prolific is not always a good thing if it's not good quality. Um, that Correct. being said, unless you have any more thoughts to share on this marginally bad track. No, I'm good. Holy Water is actually a pretty good track. Again, mm-hmm. so, th- mm-hmm. so it's a little uneven here. I like Under the Spell. I don't like 15 Men. I like Into no. the Unknown. I, mm-hmm. I do like Holy Water. You know, so Holy like, Water is a good one. It's a lot uh... of back and forth on this record. Good, bad, good, bad. But this record, this song's good. We're back to the the mode of the actual song in the shadows. In the shadows, we are alive. You know, mm. speaking about the dark, morbid angels sworn to the black kind of stuff. It's you know, we are not part of your Christian right. We are different, and your <clears throat> you know your world makes us burn. You know, nice nice song. It's and I mean the thing is is about King Diamond is he speaks more about his lyrics than he does his vocals which i think is unfortunate and it's mm-hmm. leading me to caring more about lyrical content than actual musical output 
And I'm a Kiss fan, so I mean, that's stupid. Fair enough. I understand. Um, yeah, this is a good track. Uh, and again, a weirdly solo King Diamond writing credit, but a very... I have a, a lot very, of questions about that. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting to know. Uh, this, all, this whole record, this is back to the dream team of Merciful Fate producers, King Diamond, Tim Kimsey, and Brian Slagle as executive producer. Um, as we wind this down with a, another track and, and a bonus track, if you want to talk about it. I have not um, heard the bonus. Oh, neither have I, but I was hoping you had. Oh, the, I no, I have the uh, the CD from back in the day. Okay. The final, the Japanese version has the bonus. The final track Plus, on here. The Japanese get everything good. They do. Um, maybe they deserve it, and we are unworthy of love. Um, we're given paradise, wow. and we ruined it. Uh, the final track on the album proper is Cthulhu. I know it's pronounced, you know, Cthulhu or Cthulhu or Cuckoo Cthulhu. Cthulhu is the actual pronunciation wow. from Lovecraft. But he says Cthulhu over and over. I'm sorry, my my Lovecraftian nerd shit will not allow this. But he says Cthulhu, Cthulhu over and over. Cthulhu, the Mad Arab part two. Which so we're call again a callback to a callback, um, written by Sherman to the Mad Arab song, great great song from a few albums ago, uh, with the phrase "All of us have spoken at least once in our life." I'm gonna finish this book tonight. Talking about the Necronomicon, the Necronomicon from Lovecraftian lore, and uh, this is a badass song to close with. This is the second or third longest, second longest track, third longest track on the album. And uh, riffs for days, good vocals by King. He's trying to growl a little on here, which he is weird. He can growl when he wants to. But it's weird that he did it here, but it's still like a very fine, you know, in the upper part of the tracking of the album. This song, the last song, these are a very strong ending to me for Agreed. a very up and it's, down album. It is a strong exclamation point. They started strong, they finished strong, and a couple of times here and there, you got a nice little sashimi. A soft, a soft shift, squiffy, shifty middle. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like you went to the sushi restaurant. They hit, the first thing you get is they give you a sashimi platter, mm-hmm. and then they give you some California rolls because you know what? You don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't and, know better. And then they 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 ended up with some nice uh, some red mm-hmm. snapper sashimi. All right, that's fair. So the by the way, the Japanese bonus track is a cover of Judas Priest, The Ripper. That I'm dying to know what he sounds like singing it because the ripper, you know, he could do the notes, right? It's not a problem. Who needs to know? (laughs) Yeah, I'm imagining that falsetto the whole way through, but there's no question he can sing a pre song and how fun it would be for this band to have cut a pre song. So I um, almost spat beer all over my whole setup, all over the laptop. Yes. Um, strangely, this album is strange, right? So let's just talk about, as we sum this up, this album is strange. Uh, the album artwork is weird. It's like a setting sun or a rising sun. I'm not sure which. I like the album. I thought the it's, album artwork worked it's really moody. well here. Yeah, the last one wasn't that great. Yeah, the King Diamond artwork for Spider's Lullaby is not that good. This artwork is just okay. But the King, but Spider's Lullaby artwork, the original, is way better than the re-release. They re-released it with new artwork featuring King Diamond's face on a spider's ass. (laughs) Have you seen Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness yet? Yes, I have. So he shoots web. 
out of his ass Ooh, yeah, exactly i hope not, I hope not. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> i mean great probably the best joke in the whole movie uh, and it was I, fantastic i liked it i just thought it was too long it's a little too long and these big event movies are trying to scram scram cram. last thing i'm gonna say about the multiverse and this we're gonna move on because we're sidebarring we got so many sidebars like sidebar to the sidebar to the sidebar i want to just yeah. talk about america chavez and how what an incredible character she is and how awesome I, what did I, what did i just say marvel has her all right go ahead that movie could have been 90 minutes <clears throat> oh yeah i mean all these things could be shorter that should be that movie if it 90 minutes it's classic all right so moving back to king dying good lord why do we hate this so much i don't know we didn't love these albums at all today i love these records you don't though because we said a lot more negative things than positive i don't think i did about I... both of them yeah when you so, listen back to this and we will we're both gonna I be will. like hmm i like these records but i definitely don't love them and i think that's where we're i, I think that's is. it i i think these albums this is the, the end of the unknown is the first merciful fate record i bought contemporarily and spider's lullaby again and i have neither of them on vinyl though they have been repressed and you know i had an uh an xm radio lady call me yesterday they they've called me like six times since i bought my leaf mm. you've got xm radio how are you enjoying it i don't know i've never turned it on well we've it's got not, all these it's things. fun it's I like I like serious XM. Yeah, I, I, when I see phone. people on my Kiss forum talking about how they play basically the exact same two hundred songs a, a day. That's true. I don't. Well, and I said to the woman, "So it's good for a 20, few days, and you go away for for a week or two, and then you come back." I have twenty five thousand songs in my iTunes library. I've got ten thousand songs in my vinyl library. Oh, do you want a final sidebar? They no longer make the iPod has stopped being produced in every form. Really. Yeah, this week was the last, last week was the last week ever an iPod was produced anywhere in the world. I, I have an iPhone, not an i. I don't have an iPod. I understand. That's why I switched to iTunes because I, my family switched my phones without asking me. Hmm. We got a Christmas present. Here you go. Oh, okay. I want a new phone. So Here's your new phone. Um, I, my, I, I try to tell the people at work, I'm not an, I, I'm not an Apple person. They're like, you got an iPhone. I'm like, yeah, but I have a PC yeah um this that's a very good analogy for this these two records we did today really wants to be apple and is definitely android or pc um weirdly i didn't expect into the unknown which i didn't remember as well as spider's lullaby that i was going to like that record more i do weirdly spider's lullaby is so inconsistent and terrible in places that Into the Unknown is way better, and that's not saying a lot because Into the Unknown has some definite weak spots. Fifteen men yeah, looking I mean, at you. I want to believe that this time when I got back into this band and, and the stuff, I want to believe that this is, you know, this is the 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 gooey center. This is the the creamy filling. This is the the bloody part of the middle of the steak. It's not. Mm-hmm. King Diamond does so much better stuff in the on the aughts than this and merciful fate did so much better in the early 90s and 80s than this i do like this album i don't love it it's not a classic it's got a couple of classic songs you know right now we it's got as many classic songs as any record in the 70s 
by bands not named Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to also say like they literally went from recording this to recording the next King Diamond album, The Graveyard. So literally. Is Graveyard next? Oh, yeah, it was voodoo. No break at all. Graveyard is ninety six. Well, like, there is literally there, a few there is months. a tour though before that. Bare, uh, barely a tour, but yes. Yeah, but I want to talk about it now or next week. Now I'll talk about oh. that. I'll talk about it now. Oh, I, I mean, not a big talk about. But, okay. <laughs> uh, just want to run over the set list. It's, it's not a it's not a long tour. There was not much touring in the King Diamond extended family camp. They did uh, twenty nine shows, which. In 2022, 29 shows is significant. In 1996, 29 shows is three weeks. Mm. Well, I guess five weeks, but you no, know, it's, you know, the first Foo Fighters tour, uh, which was when I saw them before their album came out, the back of the shirt I purchased for $15, I might add. Uh, it said the, tw- the, not, the Foo Fighters not too terribly hard, 29 shows in 42 days. <laughs> With Mike Watt, right? That's Con- what it said on the back. Considering like they that that Grohl had just gotten done with Nirvana, who was doing like you know three hundred shows a year, and Kirk, you know what happened? So, right. Um, King so Diamond, Merciful Fate, very hang prolific. On. Here, time. let me give you the set list, and I'm gonna, and then when I finish the set list, give me a one to ten rating, okay? Of the set list. Of the set list. Okay. Lucifer, evil, doomed by the living dead. The Bell Witch, The Uninvited Guest, Desecration of Souls, Legend of the Headless Rider, A Dangerous Meeting, The Caravan of Souls, Memento Mori cover, Into the Unknown, Angel of Light, Satan's Fall, Come to the Sabbath, Nuns Have No Fun, and the One King Diamond solo track, Halloween. The band must have hated that. Um... I, they, that's a B tier set list. That's a B, a B. That's a B tier set, set list to me. Really? Yeah. There's some great songs in there, and they were trying to like support one of these albums and play some of these more recent songs, right? Because how is it going to be interesting for them to go back out and play only the classic albums? So they have to go out and play some of these newer things. Um, I might not have hated that in 1996. To be honest, though, I could live without some of those. Well, let's see. They've got one. If you count Lucifer, uh, two. Three. If you're using Setlist FM, you can summarize at the bottom what comes off what in the pie chart. Oh, it does. I've never scrolled down that far. Life hack. I just gave you one. Nice. The first one's free, buddy. uh, Three off Don't Break the Oath. Three off Into the Unknown. Two off Into the Shadows. Two off Melissa. uh, Two off Merciful Fate. Mm. Two covers and one off Time. You don't need the covers. Don't need this off Time. Don't Don't need Halloween. But all right. Uh, again, B or C minus, C plus or B? I'd go B plus on it. I mean, they're they're going hard on the newer stuff, which I appreciate. You know, one of the things that you know when you get to the elder bands, the reunited bands, they, they don't even do, try. What? Yeah, right. They don't. <laughs> it's you know, it's Iron Maiden has done the best reunion of all time mm. because they value their new music as much as they do their old. That's fair. Although we'll see when it, we'll see how uh, uh, apparently, and I guess this will be the final sidebar for me. They have said recently when they finally do that Senjutsu tour, 
they're not going to ask their fans to come out to the amphitheaters. They're going to do little theaters, like two, 3,000 seaters. So imagine going to see Iron Maiden in a tiny place, and they're going to play this concept record with visuals, and then leave with no hits. That's kind of cool. But also, Sir, we'll I see can only year. get so aroused. <laughs> Wife, get in here. No, I, I'm, no I'm too aroused for that. Oh, gosh. I can't even wait. Um, no, I want that. I yeah, want that. I know, me too. So hard. Uh, me too. Maybe we'll see it together. Who knows about where we'll be in life. But um, yeah, this happens, isn't, this, I mean, this was, oh, it's going to happen. I think this summer is. No, I mean, it will, but when? Next year. Uh, when they have a new, right before they have a new record to put out, um, which is done apparently. Uh, any any final thoughts? You want to wrap this up and take it home? We're blathering here today. Yeah, yeah, a lot of sidebars, a lot of sandbars, a lot of a lot of sushi bars. The bar is very low. It's it's. I mean, last week we had time, and the thing about time is, oh, good lord, they should not have done it. They shouldn't. They should have killed time mm. rather than spent the time. Oh. So moving on into Spider's Lullaby, again, I am extraordinarily nostalgic about that. I had been familiar with King Diamond for a couple of years before I had that. Uh, the first King Diamond album I owned in any capacity was a dangerous meeting on CD. My girlfriend at the time uh, got it for me as a birthday present. Mm-hmm. So it was nice. She also hated King Diamond and Merciful Fate. Uh, <laughs> on a level Glutton for punishment. Process. But um, then we move on to Spider's Lullaby. There, I agree with what you described about that. It is a half-baked idea that really had way more potential than it was given. But I, and as we discussed later, when it comes to the Merciful Fate album of the same era, King Diamond, as an author, was tapped out. You know, in the Doors movie, when I saw it before I could play an instrument, the, you know, uh, Frank Whaley as Robbie Krieger says at the end, I think I have a couple of blues records left in me. And I didn't know what that meant until you start really trying to play instruments, trying to write things and digging into the catalog of an artist. And King Diamond did not have six records in him Mm. in six years but he released six records. So both Spider's Lullaby and Into the Unknown were a little half-baked and did not reach the potential that they could have done. And frankly, if I'm being honest, which I have to be, because I am honest and unmerciful, got to get the almost famous in there. King Diamond was the weakest link on both of these albums. Oh, so bad. The King wrote half of Into the Unknown. He has writing, lyrical and musical writing credits on half of Into the Unknown. Five of the 10 songs were King solo compositions. And he was tapped out at this point. He didn't have that much in him he should have been more willing to lean on Denner and Sherman and spent more time on just his parts Mm. however he did not do that and so we have good reasonable 
listenable quality records, which are a great uptick from time, but they are also a, they are also a step down from In the Shadows. So what weird. I wouldn't have expected that looking back now, no, remembering back then to now, I would not have said that. But now today, definitely flip flopped. Yeah. In the, I mean, In the Shadows to me is an all time fate classic. Hmm. It's probably my favorite Merciful Fate record, even though okay. it is off brand. That's being polite. All righty. Um, so, I got nothing else. It is your turn to do the outro, my friend. I did it last time. All right. I appreciate everybody for listening. I know we can be a little silly. That's the point. But thank you for listening. This is the Glacier Musical Podcast and YouTube Review. It does not play in Peoria unless you're there. Oh, I have to shut it off. Damn it. <laughs> God damn it.